everybody. We are going to now begin looking into Daniel chapter 10 and we're going to start by wrapping up the book of Daniel, our study in the book of Daniel in the last couple of chapters, 11 and 12. Uh, very important, very, very interesting. So we're looking at section 20 of our Bible studies of the end times uh, and that'll be Daniel chapter 10. Again, I would recommend that you read through the book of Daniel chapter 10 and uh, have a think about it. There's some very, very interesting um, passages of scripture in here that we're going to be looking at. And then once we finish this one, we're going to be looking at uh, Iran in the book of Daniel, and that'll be in the next podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read the whole chapter but I will go through verse by verse what I want to highlight and obviously draw in other passages of Scripture from around the, around the Bible. Let's begin. Verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Balthazar, and the message was true and it referred to great conflict, warfare, misery. And he understood the, understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. Most of my readings will be out of the Amplified Version, which I will tell you, and if I read any other versions, uh, generally they're the NIV, uh, but I will let you know what versions I'm looking at. Okay, so Cyrus, king of Persia, and uh, this was the third year of his rule, around 536 BC. Now, he had issued a decree that allowed the Jews to return to their land and begin rebuilding their temple around 538 BC. Some of the Jews had already left under Zerubbabel's leadership. And we read about that in Ezra. They had reinstituted the sacrifices of the temple in 537 BC and uh, in 536 BC, they had begun to rebuild the temple. And we read that in Ezra chapters uh, 3, 6 and 3, 8. Let me read them for you. Uh, Ezra chapter 3, 6. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. And then in verse 8. In the second year of their coming to God's house at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and uh, Jesai, the son of Josak, began the work with the rest of their brothers, the priests and Levites, and all who came to Jerusalem from the captivity. They, appoint, uh, they, they appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Daniel was probably around age-wise, chronological age-wise, in his 80s or 90s, in 536 BC. And this might have led to why he did not return to the promised land. Uh, we, we don't really know. I'm just speculating here. I'm just throwing some ideas out. But he stayed in government service until the first year of Cyrus, and that was 538 BC. But he stayed in Babylon... Probably, speculation again, for his retirement. Now, the message that came to Daniel was a revelation that, that, from God that incorporated a vision. And Daniel claimed that the message was true and that it involved a revelation of a conflict that was coming. Now, there's an interesting point that you need to pay attention to. The words, the phrase, this phrase, the time appointed was long. I'm going to reread Daniel chapter 10 verse 1, but from the King James Version, the KJV. It says this, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Balthazar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now a close read, a careful study of scripture, of the scriptures, 
we cannot fail to be really wowed, impressed by all the things that were given here and there throughout the passages of Scripture that we've been talking about, that the reign of Christ was to be in the far, far off future. Uh, in the parable, for example, of the vineyard, the man who planted the vineyard led it out to, to a husbandman and went into a far country for a long time. We read that in Matthew 21, 33 to 34. Listen to, the, to, listen to another parable, it says. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to, a, to tenant farmers and went on a long journey to another country. The man here was the Lord, the far country heaven, and he went off to this far country for a long time. That's my reading or my understanding of what I've just read out of those couple of verses of Scripture. How long was this period of time? That's the unknown. But during this period of time, we have been commanded to do the work of making disciples, to watch and to pray. The time appointed was long. Verse 2 and 3, Daniel 10. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I ate no tasty food, nor did any meat or wine enter my mouth, and I did not anoint, refresh, groom myself for all of the three full for, for the full three weeks. Now, just remember back to chapter 9, the vision there. So after Daniel had been mourning and praying and fasting in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. The Jews now in Jerusalem were encountering opposition. And this could possibly have been concerning Daniel and could possibly have been the reason why now we find him in this chapter praying and fasting. In Ezra chapter 4, 1 to 5, now when the Samaritans, the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, heard that the exiles from captivity were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel, who was now governor, and to the heads of the fathers' households, and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God and worship just as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esharadon, king of Assyria, who brought us up here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua... And the rest of the heads of fathers' households of Israel said to them, You have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God. But we ourselves will, build, will, will together build to the Lord God of Israel, just as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the Samaritans and other people, the people of the land, discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them to deter them from building and hire advisors to work against them to frustrate their plans during the entire time that, king, that Cyrus, king of Persia, reigned, and this lasted even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Verse 24. Then the work of the house of God in Jerusalem stopped. It was suspended until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So there was a, a tremendous opposition taking place. Now we remember back in chapter 9, all this was activated by this phenomenal prayer and, and, and God's time clock being activated. And now we, now we are starting to get opposition to the purposes of God for the Jews and the nation of Israel in the land of Israel. As we now, in our time period, begin to start nearing the activation of the last seven years of that 490 years, where God returns his attention to the land of Israel and to the Jewish people in the land and to his preparation for the return, his return, 
things are going to get a lot worse. Your primary response to any fear or concern you now need to be like that of Daniel. You now need to start prepping yourself. You now need to start preparing yourself as we enter into this time frame where the seven years is possibly going to be activated at any moment that we should now become more alert, more watchful and get into the prayer closet a lot more with regards to our intercession before the Lord, finding out exactly what he wants us to do. Listen to this, Philippians 4, 6-7 Amplified. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands God over your hearts and your minds, in Christ Jesus is yours. Now remember, I've spoken to you about the difference between the Greek concept of peace, Irene, and the Jewish concept of peace, or the Israeli concept of peace, Shalom. Peace with God, Shalom, in the circumstance, or your circumstances at peace, your peace with the, with the world, the Greek way. So, even though many Israelites, many Jews were returning to Israel, God showed them and God revealed to them that they would be experiencing troubles. Take that into our situation, our lifestyle. The more we begin to align ourselves to the deep divine purposes of God, what is going to start to take place is the more Opposition is going to come against us because our enemy does not want this time clock to activate. He is going to do everything in his power to prevent this last seven year time frame to get activated. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the Antichrist where we see that one of his purposes is to try and change the times and the seasons. Let's move on to verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was on the bank of the great river Hedekai, and that is the Tigris River. So he'd gone to the Tigris, and he's probably praying to the exiles, or praying for the exiles as they began to return. And um, it was around the Passover of unleavened bread, which fell on the 14th to 21st of the month. Now, the Jews did not observe these festivals in captivity as they did when they were in their own land. So these days, these three days, after the, these memorial days, God gave Daniel a vision, and he was the only one that saw the vision, very similar to Paul when he had his Damascus experience, Damascus Road experience. Verse 5, I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose loins were girded with a belt of pure gold of Euphaz. His body was like a beryl with a gold luster. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and his feet like the gleam of burnished bronze. And the sound of his words was like that of the noise of a multitude of people of the roaring of the sea. That's verse 5 to 6. So he sees this man. He sees this vision. For, uh, dressed in fine gold. Um, and he was informed by this man that, that, that he is beloved. And this man had come to encourage him. Now, some people think that this vision that Daniel saw, the person of the vision, was the Son of God, was Jesus. Now, the Jewish interpreters in some modern Christian scholars would prefer the view or preference or have a preference for the view that of, of, of this being actually being an angel. So there are similarities between this man and the one that Ezekiel saw and the one that the apostle John saw. And so they argue that this is this 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 would be then cause for him having the divine nature, 
So you can read that. I'm not going to read the verses, but you can read that in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, Revelation chapter 1, 13 to 16, and Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. I'm of the opinion, and this is my personal opinion, that this is the angel Gabriel. That is my opinion of who Daniel saw. So Daniel's here. He has this vision. This this being, this man, appears to him. And and I, I think he's looking at the angel Gabriel. Verse 7 to 9. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision of this heavenly being. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, nevertheless, a great panic overwhelmed them, so they ran away and hid themselves. So I was alone, I was left alone, and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me, for my normal appearance turned to a deadly pale, and I grew faint, a weak and faint with fright. Then I heard the sound of his words, and when I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep, with my face towards the ground. Much like Paul, Paul's experience. So Paul had a divine experience. Daniel has a divine experience. And, 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 and only they can see it. But the impact of the experience can actually be felt uh, physically by these other people. And they ran, ran away from Daniel. Uh, Paul, in Acts 9-7 the men who were traveling with him were, were terrified and stood speechless, speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. And in verse 22, verse 9, he says, Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Daniel's reaction to what he sees is very similar to the Apostle John in Revelation 1, verse 17, Revelation when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, and he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. So it's showing the absolute deity of Jesus in the vision of what John saw. Very different to uh, what I'm seeing today experiencing in the church, and I'm not going to go into the deception in the church at the moment. You can download those podcasts separately off our, off, off our iTunes but um, people today talk about having encounters with angels and blue angels and red angels and fire angels and this angel and that angel and they're running around shrieking and barking like dogs and carrying on like crazy people. And here, when these powerful men of God see angels or have a divine encounter with a supernatural being, their response is to face plant in a dead faint. All right. The words of the person Daniel saw caused him to faint. So let's go on. Chapter 10 to uh, verse 10 to verse 14. Then behold, a hand touched me and sat me unsteadily on my hands and knees. So he said to me, O Daniel, you highly regarded and greatly beloved man, understand the words that I'm about to say to you. And stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was saying the, this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for, the, for from the first day that you, had, you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in opposition to me for twenty-one days. Then behold, Michael... One of the chief and celestial princes came to help me, for I have been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make, to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is in regards to the days yet to come. So the man touches Daniel and he begins to speak to him and reassure him uh, and I feel that this was the same prophet, or the same person that the prophet saw in his previous vision that we see described in Daniel chapter 9, 23. And, now, and in chapter 10, 19, the angel describes Daniel of a man of high esteem. So we see that Daniel enjoys a good reputation, not only amongst the people he works with, 
but also amongst the people of the second and third heaven, especially the third heaven, God. God really had a high impression of Daniel. So, the, the Hebrew word for this is a man of preciousness. It's phenomenal. God looks at Daniel and he sees a man of preciousness. So Daniel, <clears throat> excuse me, is still pretty shaken up by this experience of, of the presence of this glorious person. And the angel now begins to reassure him and encourage him and tell him not to fear. And, and, it, and he now begins to inform Daniel that when Daniel began to pray, he was understood right away. His prayer, his prayer was heard right away at the first hearing. And what follows now is a result of that petition. So Daniel chapter 9 verse 23, we read this. At the beginning of your supplication, the command to give you an answer was issued. And I've come to tell you, for you are highly regarded and greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the message and begin to understand the meaning of the vision. That is powerful. When I read this, it's like, and especially as we go into the end times, the more we study the word of God, what God has said about his, his second coming, about his return, the Lord, I believe, is going to give us revelation as we get closer to that time frame. What we need to do with that revelation is what Daniel did, is go in before the Lord and really pray, really make a petition, really make a supplication before the Lord so that our revelation of the events to come will be enhanced by further revelation from the Lord. So he gives us access to the deep, his deep mysteries, his deep plans through his word and through his revelation. This verse of scripture now, what we've gone into, 10 to 14, shows me that we are living in a multi-dimensional, universal spiritual warfare. And prayer, our prayer that is aligned with the word of God and the purposes of God have a powerful impact. Here's a thought. Have you ever wondered why some of your prayers might not be answered immediately? Yes, there could be prayers that have been prayed that are wrong prayers. You shouldn't be praying a specific type of prayer and so God's not going to answer you. not going to give you an answer. If you're a baby Christian and you're asking for spiritual warfare weapons like a, a, a machine gun, he's not going to give that to you. He's going to take you into a training desert. You wonder why you're in the desert. Well, he's training you to give you the machine gun. Or here you're praying a specific prayer according to the purpose of God. You've been in petition before the Lord and you're wondering why you're not hearing anything. Well, there is a war. There might have been a release of that prayer of an angel, but there, there is a second heaven of demonic forces of Satan that are opposed to the implementation of the purpose of plan of God, specifically this 490 years, specifically it was for the first coming, and now especially that Jesus has come and, 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 and is gone to a far place again, and preparing to come again, specifically in stopping that event from taking place. And so when you begin to pray along these lines, like Daniel, don't be surprised if there might be a hesitation, not a hesitation, a, 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 a waiting for your prayer. You need to push in. Verse 13 shows us some interesting characters. Now, we have, I'm not going to go into this in depth. I will do that at a separate Bible study where we talk about um, deliverance and angels, etc. But we know that at the time of the prayer, there is a king already in Persia. So we read in verse 1 that we have Cyrus, the king of Persia. 
But in verse 13, excuse my dog is just getting up and having a walk around. And that's the noise you'll hear in the background. In verse 13, we see that there seems to be another ruler. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. <coughs> Excuse me. So we have an angelic being from the throne of God being released with a prayer to give to Daniel. And as he's coming down from heaven's throne... He is being resisted. He is being opposed. Someone is stopping him from coming. And that someone is the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Who is standing in opposition to me for 21 days. Now we get introduced to a second angelic being. Michael. Now Michael is one of the chief or celestial princes. Come to help me. For I, have been left, for I had been left there. With the kings of Persia. So, in this second heaven, the spiritual realm, the, the, the linking realm between God's throne and the first heaven where we are, our physical existence, our universe, there are these characters that are at war. The prince of Persia stopping what I believe is Gabriel high-ranking special messenger of God and he specifically carries messages relating to Jesus Christ. And in comes another chief celestial prince. Now this angel of high rank, I'm talking about the Prince of Persia now, I believe is a fallen angel under the command of Satan. And, and, and this prince is specifically designated to rule and govern Persia. And then we're going to talk about this later on where we deal with Iran in Daniel chapter 10 in the next podcast. Let me just jump to a couple of different passages of scripture. So Daniel chapter 10 verse 20, just to talk about who these princes are, who these beings are. Then he said, do you understand fully why I came to you? Now I shall return to fight against the hostile prince of Persia. And when I have gone, behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. So we get introduced to another angelic prince. prince. Let's pop over to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. In which you once walked... You were following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age, and in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. So from my understanding of that scripture, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is the ruler of this world, so he controls what goes on in the air. And I also think that he controls that second heaven as well. And we have these ruling principalities under him, which we read about in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 18. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. Now here it is, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. That's the armies that are connected with this satanic realm willingly and unwillingly, essentially most of the unsaved people, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground 
in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground. And then it goes on to talk about the, uh, the type of armor. And then in verse 18 it says, With all petitions, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all of God's people. Powerful understanding and revelation given to us in these and many, many other passages of Scripture with regards to what we face. So we are anchored down here in the first realm, the first heavens. And we get commissioned to stand in a specific place and to manifest the kingdom of God in that place and to perpetuate Matthew 28, the, 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 the command and commission that we have been given. On our side are all the angels, the elect angels that have not fallen to the lies and succumbed to the seduction of Satan. It stayed on God's side. And God himself. So the whole of heaven backs us. Opposite to us is the rebel Satan. Babylon. So Babylon is his system of government. It's a confederation of demonic principalities, fallen angels, demons, and people both willingly and unwillingly that promote the cause of the devil, which in the seven years that are coming are going to culminate in Revelation 19, 19, where he will try and attempt through the Antichrist, through the kings and rulers of the world and the armies of the world and through every demonic power that he has at his call to prevent Jesus and his armies from returning to planet earth. So that is the ultimate conclusion of the battle that we see taking place here at the beginning of the 490 years. The implementation of God's time plan, the six points that God is going to implement during this period of time. And the culmination of this battle will be Revelation 19.19, the final battle, Armageddon. But in the interim, we're at war. And whenever we align ourselves to the purpose of God, to the end time purpose of God, to the kingdom of God, to the implementation of the will of God on earth as it is in heaven, we will face this level of opposition. And therefore you've been given your armor. You've been given your assignment. You've been given your commission. You've been told what to do and now we need to do it. So Daniel is doing what he was told what to do, doing what he's been trained to do. He understands the revelation. He takes it before the Lord, begins to pray it, and God answers him. God activates on what he has originally said, he, God, has originally said, and now what Daniel is praying about. And the prince of Persia now begins to resist him because he doesn't want this time clock to begin he doesn't want the Jews to go back to Israel. He's going to do everything in his power to prevent the Jews from staying in the land of Israel. That gives you a hint at what's coming in Daniel chapter 10, Iran in prophecy. So, that's just a brief little explanation of first, second, third heaven and the multidimensional warfare that takes place there and how you are a a part and parcel of that warfare and what you need to be doing as a result of this warfare. Never forget this. Never, never forget this. We are in a war. God can and obviously is quite capable of overriding all resistance with even less than a flick of his small finger if he wanted to. He can just wipe out all the forces of hell just with 
a brief flicker of thought if he wanted to. But he chooses to do it the way he's dictated that he will do it within Scripture. And so, he still allows these fallen angels and these demons to have, to have their powers and allow them to operate and allow people to operate and exercise their free will. Listen to this, the, these passages. Job 1.12 Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that Job has is in your power. Only do not put your hand on the man himself. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Job chapter 1 and chapter 2 will also give you a, a, a tremendous view behind the curtain and into the second heaven and what takes place in the second and third heaven and interactions between that. Although from that period of time with Job, things have changed a little bit with regards to this kind of interaction because we've had since then the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and that has made a tremendous shift with regards to things in those realms. That's my understanding. Uh, Job 2.6 So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hands, only spare his life. So there is a limitation that the Lord places on the devil and what he does. At the moment, the limitation of the devil right now, as we've discussed in this Bible study, is the Holy Spirit, is the, the, the governments of the world, and is the church preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Governments of this world, church preaching the gospel, diminishing, and very soon as we enter into that seven-year period, the, the, the resistance that the Holy Spirit places on the devil will be removed. Uh, 1, 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that it uh, that is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to His word. He is compassionate and trustworthy, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation He has in the past and is now, will always provide the way out as well, so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Alright, let's get back to the Prince of the Kingdom of Persia. There are two great forces operating in our world. The empires of the earth, and the governments of the world, which are controlled by the governmental Babylonian system of satanic forces. Satan is the god of this age. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is overall ruler of this Babylonian system of economics, of politics, and of military might around the world and of, of, of the people that are unsaved. He controls them all. Over each kingdom, each empire, nation, republic, I feel and I think that there is a ruling evil principality. So the angels were given rulership over the nations and those that succumb to the devil's lies and followed him, they still have that level of authority. This is my understanding. This is how I see it. And so we have the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. And we have these battles. They fight against themselves. They fight against God and they fight against Michael. And all this is going on in the second heaven. And so when we specifically come in and our focus in here on what is taking place, we see that a battle took place in the second heaven for 21 days in Daniel's time frame. So Daniel had to wait 21 days. He prayed, he waited 21 days, and he was mourning and fasting and praying during those 21 days, not hearing a word. But the first day that he prayed, his answer was sent, and for 21 days, this demon prince of Persia resisted the messenger of God. God heard his cry, sent Gabriel, but this prince withstood him, the satanic prince, for 21 days and hindered the prayer and tried to stop the prayer from getting through. It was not until Michael 
one of the chief princes of the people, and I believe Michael is is is, is one of the only people that uh, the, one of the only angels that we know of in Scripture that has been called an archangel besides the devil, one of only two. So he comes to Gabriel's help, and with the two of them combined, they move through the barricades that the prince of Persia has placed to prevent this prayer from going through to Daniel, to prevent the, 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 the beginning of this time frame to start. So what would have happened, I wonder, I'm just wondering this, I don't know, if Daniel had not been persistent in prayer, if after two days, three days, he hadn't had an answer and said, oh, well, I'm just not, okay, no good. I just want to encourage you in terms of the power of prayer. Specific prayer. James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins one to another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. James 5.16 Amplified so I believe, going back to the story, Michael is a prince who watches over and safeguards the affairs of the Hebrew people. Gabriel, from my understanding, is a messenger, a specific high-level messenger entrusted with any message God's going to give or herald to mankind with regards to Jesus Christ the Messiah. And coming in and implementing that prophetic word and, and activating it. The Gentile nations are generally controlled and governed by these fallen angels of various ranks. And they are there to implement the satanic agenda. The prince of the kingdom of Persia is one of these powerful angels under Satan. Now, it would seem to me that he was too powerful for Gabriel to handle, and Michael had to come along and help him. And so together, they resisted his offense against them, uh, him and basically... Um, was able to release Gabriel to come in and give Daniel the answer to prayer. And we see the encounter in this passage of scripture. Now, this is just a side note. It would seem to me that if we had to match sort of strength abilities of these powerful beings, that Satan would be more powerful than Michael at this present age, at this present time, until obviously... Uh, we get to the Revelation chapter 12, the middle of the seven years. So Jude 9 says this, But even the archangel Michael, when he, when he was disputing with the devil and arguing about the body of Moses, did not dare bring an accus uh, abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. It would seem. I'd, I'm not 100% sure. It's just me thinking. So Michael, one of the chief princes, and the only archangel mentioned in the Bible, seems to be the archangel that has been appointed as the prince, principal watcher over the nation of Israel. And we read about him again in Revelation chapter 12, when he now begins to pursue a very, very aggressive war on Satan in the second heaven and casts him and his kingdom, so the Babylonian system inhabited by these principalities, out of the heavenlies and they come down to earth. Now remember, and I'll, I'll go into this a lot in detail when we get to Revelation chapter 12 and that is why I'm going to take a break because I want to really study this in, in depth and, and try to get it from all angles. 
that the, the enemy is preparing for this event. And so you're getting a lot of talk about unveiling. So we're going we're gonna to look at all, all that this could look like. But in effect, what is going to take place in the middle of this last seven-year time period that God has given to fulfill his purpose? In the middle of this, Satan himself will now be cast down from the second heaven into earth together with all his satanic angels. So can you imagine these satanic beings who've been sitting in the second heaven for millennia are now restricted to uh, to planet earth and they've literally got three and a half years left to implement a resistance of Revelation 19.19. Can you imagine what horror is going to be unleashed on planet earth? And that is called the wrath of Satan. That's when the wrath of Satan starts to be poured out on planet earth. And that is when the resistance of the Holy Spirit will, will, will withdraw and Satan will be given three and a half years in the Antichrist, as Jesus had three and a half years to fulfill his purposes. And it's going to be sad to see how mankind, when we study that, follows him. And that's where the implementation of the mark of the beast begins. So in the middle of this period, Michael now pursues this aggressive war, casts the devil down to earth. And the preparation for the final battle now begins. Armageddon is coming. At the end of that battle, he is going to be imprisoned for a millennia, one millennia, 1,000 years in the bottomless pit. So it would seem that in this current stage of Daniel, the time of Daniel, 5-3 whatever BC, the Prince of Persia would be more powerful in terms of being able to resist Gabriel. So, first heaven, just a quick summary, first heaven is where we live. I don't know how far out that goes in terms of our solar system, where the first heaven ends, second heaven begins. But I also know that the second heaven is around about us, but I don't know how far out that goes into the dimension of the third heaven, and that is the dwelling place of God. And the warfare is going on in the second and first heavens. So, remember... Prayer delayed is not necessarily necessary prayer denied. Verse 14. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is in regards to the days yet to come. So he comes to Daniel, Gabriel comes to Daniel, and now he's going to start to tell Daniel what will happen to his people in the latter days, yet to come, yet in the future. And I feel that these people are the Jews. It's Israel. Verse 15. When he he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and was speechless. 16 to 19. I'm going to read this and I'm going to read 20 to 21 as well. And then we'll finish off the podcast. And behold, one who resembled the sons of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, because of the visions, because of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can such a weakened servant of my Lord talk with such a being as my Lord? For now there remains no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then the one, Gabriel, I believe, whose appearance was like that of a man, touched me again, and he strengthened me. He said, O man, highly regarded and greatly beloved, do not be afraid. Peace be to you. Take courage and be strong. Now when he had spoken to me, I, had, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you understand fully why I have come to you? Now I shall return to fight against the hostile prince of Persia. And when I have gone, behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. 
But I, Gabriel, will tell you what is inscribed in the writings of truth. There is no one who stands firmly with me and strengthens himself against these hostile spirit forces except Michael, your prince, the guardian of your nation. He said, O man, highly regarded and greatly beloved, do not be afraid. Peace be to you. Take courage and be strong. Now when he had spoken to me, I was strengthened and said, Lord, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Verse 20 and 21. Then he said, Do you understand fully why I have come? Now I shall return to fight against the hostile prince of Persia. And when I have gone, behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. But I, Gabriel, will tell you what is inscribed in the writings of truth. Incredible, this passage of scripture. There is no one who stands firmly with me and strengthens himself against these hostile spiritual forces except Michael, your prince, the guardian of your nation. So Gabriel informs Daniel that he's going to return and continue fighting against this demon prince who's influencing Persia. And then the one that will come will will, will, will be influencing Greece. And that is what we're going to be going into in the next podcast. So the next podcast is going to be again in Daniel chapter 9, but specifically looking at the role of Iran, Persia in prophecy. Thank you. God bless you.